Good morning, good morning, church. What a privilege for me it is to be here today. We are part of a beautiful, diverse, and growing family of churches and communities, not only in this country, but around the world. And we praise God for the privilege that we have to celebrate a day in a day like this, the community. I was encouraged to hear um, the intensity and the passion that you devoted around those five minutes to just connecting with each other. I can just imagine what a, a good church potluck uh, meal would be here. Ah, yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord for the sense of community that we can have when we gather together to worship our Christ, our Savior. Uh, the worship team led us into God's presence and reminded us especially about the fact that Jesus' accomplished work at the cross is finished. Our sins are forgiven and we have a clear path directly to God. And that's why we can talk to him knowing that he listens, that he answers, that he visits, that he is with us. As you saw in the, in the video, it is a representation of the current composition of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Much like you, we are a very diverse denomination. Part of our history uh, includes the fact of a Irishman coming from an island in Canada, Prince Edward Island, to the U.S. at the end of the 20th century to proclaim the gospel as a Presbyterian and then eventually reaching the city of New York and God moving him to reach the immigrant workers. At that time, the big way was Italians. And uh, over 130 years later, this denomination is still encouraged and engaged and passionate about welcoming people from all walks of life, from all countries, into the presence of God, into God's family. And that's why you saw 18 of the 38 different languages that this alliance in this country on any given Sunday worships God, just like you. Even the sign language um, is our latest addition um, to the many languages that are spoken in our larger family. Praise God for that. As part of my my ministry, the privilege that I have to deal with and serve and support the multicultural ministries of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, I have the, the blessing of seeing how our denomination is changing, just like the country is changing. Um, just to give you some facts, in 2019, one of every 
three people that made profession of faith in the Christian Mission Alliance did it at a non-majority culture church. One out of every four baptisms that were celebrated in the Christian Missionary Alliance was done at a non-majority culture church. And one out of every two people that call themselves Alliance attend a non-majority culture church in the Christian Mission Alliance. We have reached the tipping point already where the non-majority culture people are actually the majority of the membership of the Christian Mission Alliance. We have four ethnically based districts that comprise 331 churches. And you know what is the largest districts in the Christian Mission Alliance membership wise? You'll be surprised. It's not Western Pennsylvania. It is the Hmong district. It's the largest district in the Christian Mission Alliance in membership. They have over 120 churches in this country. And they planted those churches in less than 50 years because they came as immigrants, refugees, after the Vietnam War in 1975. Praise the Lord for what he is doing in bringing people from all walks of life into his presence. We have Arabic, African, African-American, Cambodian, Chinese, Filipino, Haitian, Montagnard Association, Native American, Spanish, Japanese, Jewish, Indian, Lao, Mien, Portuguese-speaking, Russian, Thai, and West Indian churches in this family we call the Alliance in this country. So just like you today, they're meeting, they're worshiping, and they're experiencing God's presence just like we are. Praise the Lord that in 2020, 17% of all the international workers of the Christian Mission Alliance were from non-majority culture families. Praise the Lord for that. God is mobilizing people like you and me to take this gospel not only to our communities, our neighborhoods, but even beyond the communities in this country to other countries. As you know, the world is glued to the television and to the media, just following the progress of the war in Ukraine. But you also know that the Alliance has presence in the Ukraine and that you can contribute and participate in the Compassion and Mercy Associates. That's our relief branch and ministry, comma services, to provide sustenance, assistance to people in Ukraine as they are fleeing. Over four million Ukrainians have fled the country already in less than two months. And the, and, and the Lord is using the Alliance, like many other organizations, to assist and care for the people on the move. And you know, as, as we become more and more aware of that, we know that God is listening to many prayers right now from all 
the world, especially those that are concerned about the refugee situation. That is going to impact many countries, not only the bordering countries to Ukraine, but this government has already committed to receiving over 100,000 Ukrainians into the U.S. in the, in the next months. Over 100,000 uh, um, Afghanis were airlifted uh, last year. Um, and that's not counting all the other thousands of people coming into this country, many of them fleeing for religious purposes and reasons. They are, a high percentage of those refugees and immigrants are already our brothers and sisters in Christ. Should we, can we, will we do something about that? They are praying. And today I wanna highlight to you some lessons that we can learn about Jesus' instruction to his disciples about prayer. How many here have grandchildren? I see some, some people from a generation that could claim to have grandchildren. <laughs> How many here are parents? There we go. Prayer is an important part of your life, isn't it? As you pray for your children. I tell you, my grandmother prayed me into the kingdom. We were five kids in a Catholic background church in Puerto Rico, and we were the only grandchildren she had. And my father was not um, a distinctively uh, inclined to visit churches. Um, he was in the Air Force, actually, in the U.S. Air Force. He served in Puerto Rico for 17 years, and then we had a stint uh, in Turkey. And that's where I think uh, God, it started to instill in me the appreciation and the passion to reach people of other cultures. Um, so my grandmother would come every Sunday faithfully to make sure that the grandchildren would go to the Christian Missionary Alliance Church in the city of Arecibo. So since a kid, I had been prayed for, anointed, laid hands on by people that believed in prayer, that God answers the prayer of his people, just like you do, just like the grandparents here do, and the parents here do, as we pray for our children. I'm happily a grandfather of four. I have two children, been married for 35 years, with my dear wife, Ilda, as Pastor Dominic mentioned, uh, also a Puerto Rican. Uh, my children, my two children were born in Puerto Rico and we, God moved us, uh, literally. He called us from ministry in Puerto Rico to come to the Midwest, uh, Indiana. And from Indiana, we moved to Colorado. And from Colorado, we're in Ohio now. That's where the national office just recently moved. And my grandchildren, they cost me um, to pray a lot. We have a little one that uh, he's, he's not four years old yet, but man, 
He's running 15 on a four-year-old body. <laughs> uh, you got to keep up with that, with that little boy. And the youngest one is just six months. But we have a, an 11-year-old and, uh, and an eight-year-old uh, also. We're thankful because God answers our prayers. And today in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, we're going to have an opportunity to hear from God's word to see what Jesus' intention was at sharing this experience with his followers. As you see on the screen, on Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, if you follow in either your Bibles or your phones or on the screen, I'll read the passage. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God think about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let us pray and ask God for his wisdom in understanding these words that have been preserved in Scripture for our teaching today. Heavenly Father, we come to your presence with grateful hearts for this wonderful opportunity you give us today to be worshiping you, uplifting you, uplifting Jesus in our midst through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord for being with us here. And thank you for this word. And we ask that through your Holy Spirit today, you will give us greater understanding of this passage and how it can make a difference in our lives today. For we pray as we were taught to pray in Jesus' name, so you will answer in time for your honor and glory. Amen. Oh, brothers and sisters, as you know, and probably are very well experiencing life on this side of heaven, is often full of very joy-filled and encouraging events, perhaps moments. 
but it also has its share of disillusionment and discouragements. One day we may be full of hope and great expectation, and the next day it can all come crash down, crashing down. Just these two past years, our great nation was brought down to its knees by a merciless microscopic virus coupled with a nationwide uproar against racism and injustice. Those events have marginalized many people and pushed them into a downward spiral of despair and hopelessness. And if you are feeling like that today, oh, I pray and I, I've been praying and I hope that today you will sense God's willingness to assist, impact, transform, answer your prayers. Many in our churches and surrounding communities are crying out daily to God for help and hope. What can we do as Christ followers to be part of God's answer to those prayers? Well, this passage teaches us and perhaps reminds us that we must pray, that we must not lose hope, we must remain hopeful, and that we must join God in answering the prayers of those in need. But look at the context of this passage. There is a judge. Scripture designates or identifies that judge as a bad judge because he was indifferent. He was not fulfilling his role. He was not doing justice. And he was overlooking the rightful claims of a woman who was a widow because there was another person, a man supposedly, that was abusing her and doing bad things to her. She was being overlooked, oppressed, and abused. There is a power struggle there. There's a power differential. Powerful judge versus an abused widow. It's curious that our Lord Jesus uses that to illustrate and teach what he says on verse 1. Jesus taught his followers that they should always pray and never lose hope. And it's curious that he uses the imagery through a parable focused on teaching them one central truth. The fact that we must pray and never lose hope. So first thing that we need to learn, perhaps remind, definitely practice. We must pray. We must pray. Prayer is a learned behavior. We learn to pray. The disciples asked Jesus on more than one occasion, teach us to pray. Then Jesus taught his followers. The verse says there that Jesus taught his followers. Prayer is a learned behavior. If prayer often for us is difficult, it needs to be practiced. It needs to be done often. It needs to be done with regularity. It needs to be done with a focus. It can be long, it can be short, it could be instant. 
But we must pray. We must pray. Prayer is not only a learned behavior, it's a practice behavior because Jesus in this passage teaches his disciples that they should always pray. It's not just for when I am in trouble or when I'm on Highway 5 and I have a flat tire or when my wife or my son or myself get sick. It's not just then, it's always pray. We must pray. Prayer is learned and is practiced. This church must continue to pray. The leaders of this church must continue to pray. You need to pray for your family, for yourself, for your children, for your work, for your day as you begin, for your day as you, as you get ready to fall asleep. Pray, give thanks. But we also must not lose hope. Those were the two main lessons. We must pray and we must pray so we don't lose hope. What does prayer reflect in our posture when we do pray? That we hope for an answer. God will answer. Prayer when practice promotes hope. Disciples have hope. Followers of Christ have hope. We in this community have hope as we pray. And the people surrounding us, the people that know about us, the people that come to know us, the people that cross our path, even for a brief time, will know about our God because we pray with hope, with the expectation of getting an answer, with the expectation and the certainty that God will answer the right thing, the right time, right on. He is not like an idol made of wood that you could lean and incline in front of that the idol and speak to that piece of wood for years, not, re not getting any answer, not getting any word from him, not getting anything done. God is different. Our God is the true God, and he answers the prayers of his people. Prayers are answered by God, but he does differently than the bad judge. And listen, God hears our persistent prayer. Verse 7 says that God's people shout to him night and day. Can you recall a time in your life where you were in such a situation where you, you were constantly asking God, what is going on here? When are you going to help me? When are you going to answer me? Prayers are answered by God because he is not like the bad judge. God hears. The passage here affirms the fact 
that God's people shout to him day and night, and that God always answers right and timely. It says in verse 7, that God's people shout to him night and day, and he will always give them what is right. He will not be slow to answer them. I'm reading from a different version. I'm reading from the easy to read version. It's designed for people that language, that English is not their first language. Spanish is my first language. So I prefer this one because it helps me understand the great truths of God in an easier way. And one of the great truths about God today for us, perhaps that we need to be reminded, is that God answers our prayers because he listens to them. So whatever it is that is burdening you this past week, last night, this morning, as you anticipate this week coming up, or as you have been perhaps mistreated, abused, overlooked, God knows your prayers. And he listens to them. And verse 8, it says, Jesus, it says, the Lord said, listen, there is meaning in what the bad judge said. God's people shout to him night and day, and he will always give them what is right. He will not be slow to answer them. I tell you, Jesus speaking, God will help his people quickly. But when the Son of Man comes again, will he find people on earth who believe in him? So we must pray. We must not lose hope. And now we must join God in answering those prayers. Now you might be thinking, how can I answer a prayer? Well, technically you're not answering the prayer. God is answering the prayer of somebody else through you. And we can come to be participants of God's grace being manifested to the world, to your neighbors, to your family members, to your co-workers, through you, through your actions. That is implied in verse 8 when he says, but when the Son of Man comes again, will he find people on earth who believe in him? You see what Christ is doing here? He is establishing our need and our opportunity to participate in God's answer to people to show the hope and the benefits and the difference that it makes to trust in a God that answers prayer. But the question needs an answer. When Christ comes again, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find people on earth who believe in him? Well, how will they come to believe is the question. Because you know that Christ is coming back. And the way that the events in the world are developing, 
we might get a sense that he's coming back soon. Sooner than many expect. The video proclaimed the fact that when that day comes, there will be people from all nations, from all tribes, from all languages. There will be distinguished. People will be able to tell you're from the Hmong tribe, from the Miao in South uh, China, or you're Malantanyars, uh, and you speak Jurai. People will be able to tell. Or you're from Puerto Rico, you speak Spanish. But your Spanish is different than the Dominicans who are just across the, uh, the channel. Or even different from the Cubans that are just farther away. People will be able to tell who we are because God answers the prayer. Because we came to have faith because somebody else was used by God to share the faith with us. And that's the whole idea. God works through his people to bring hope and encouragement to others. God listens to our prayers offered on behalf of others. God hears the prayers of those in despair and marginalized, often overlooked by those with power and authority. God will answer them through the timely intervention of his followers. So when Christ comes again, will he find faith in the earth? Will your friends and family members have faith in God? Have hope in God? Will that be a reality? That question needs an answer. What can you do? What can we do as a community, as a church, as a person to ensure that other people also share this faith, this hope, this assurance that God answers? We need to live in a way that answers that questions to other people. So let's, let's conclude our time. Let's conclude our time by reflecting on this passage. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions that hopefully will provoke a reaction from you. Knowing that God understands what we're thinking. Who do we know to be struggling with despair, hopelessness, injustice right now? Do we know of anybody? Are we struggling with despair, hopelessness, and injustice? Did you come to church today with a heavy heart? Perhaps a sick body? Perhaps some concerns? that are urgent? Did you? Because if you did, you should never leave this house without the assurance that God will answer your prayers. The pastoral team is ready to join you in praying for you if you need prayer today. Please, do not leave this house without 
being prayed for. The pastors will gather in the back of the sanctuary and pray. Pastor Joel and the others, Pastor Dominic and the others will be more than willing to pray for you or on behalf of other people that you might know need prayer. And they will do that as the service closes. So feel free, feel free to get up and go to the back. Definitely at the end of the service, don't leave without asking for prayer. But in addition to that, ask God to guide you in helping and bringing hope to those within your reach. Sometimes the circumstances are so overwhelming that we say we can't do anything. And you know, that's probably the best situation, the best position to be, to acknowledge that we, within our own strength, cannot do it. And it requires God's intervention. And that's when you invite God to make a difference. And you invite and let God to come and do what he does. He transforms situations, lives. He transforms even the health of a, of, of a sick body. God can heal. Not just the body, but the mind and the heart. And not just our body and mind and heart. He can heal the people that you care about, that need an answer to prayer. You can also join the many efforts that this church is making to impact the community. I'm aware of Southwest Hope, of safe families, of foster care opportunities that this church has, and we praise God for those opportunities. There is a fundraising event coming up in a week. Make sure you attend, that you pray for that event, for good weather especially. Make sure that you support those efforts and you engage the community. Join your pastors and leaders in becoming the answer of God to those needs. Pray today for our brothers and sisters and the people in Ukraine. Pray today for the events of the world that are happening. As you become aware of them, pray. Because most likely, in all of those world events, not just what's happening in Ukraine, but in Africa and in other places in, in the world, perhaps in your home country or where your grandparents came from, pray because the Church of Christ is being persecuted and oppressed. And brothers and sisters, just like us, oftentimes don't have a place to safely worship our Lord. Pray. God will answer our prayers. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come together 
in our hearts and minds before your presence praying for a right and swift and timely answer to our prayers from you. You are not like the bad judge because you do hear our prayers. You have been hearing our prayers. And today we come together at this house, your house of worship, to again ask you for your intervention. Answer, oh Lord, our prayers. For we pray in the powerful, mighty name of your son Jesus, our Savior, our coming King, the one who died on the cross and made a difference in our life so we here today can come with confidence and hope before you and expect an answer. It might not be what we want, but it will be the right answer. Help us, Lord, with the right answer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.